0: Are you ready for the best real estate investing advice ever? Join Joe Fairless and today's successful real estate professional as they share it with you. Let's go. A quick word from our sponsor, The Door Devil. Homeowners spend hundreds on alarm systems each year, but rarely reinforce the weakest point on the home, the doors. Bad guys know this, and that's why kick-ins are so common. Simply adding door devils virtually eliminates the home security gap. Sleep better tonight. Reinforce your doors. Visit DoorDevil.com and enter Best Ever to get an exclusive 20% discount on your purchase. Hello, Best Ever listeners. Welcome to the Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever show. I'm Joe Fairless and I'm here with today's guest, Joe Fairless. (laughs) It's a little bit different today because today is the 50th episode that I've, I've done with the Best Ever Show, and I'm so grateful to have you as a Best Ever listener, and I wanted to celebrate today's episode with five, five tips from multifamily investors who have closed on deals, and looking back on the deal, they said, hmm, you know what? I would do this differently if I could do it over again. Because I think that's an incredible way to learn uh, how you can structure your deal the best when you do yours, your next one. Uh, That's at least how I learn. I learn from other people's mistakes and other people's achievements. And quite frankly, I learn perhaps more from the mistakes uh, as I do from the achievements. So let's get into top five things that multifamily investors who I've spoken to, have told me they would do differently. Number one, ask for the bank statements from the seller so that you can see when the residents are actually paying the rent. It's one thing to have a rent roll that is 95% occupied, and it's another thing to have a rent roll that is 95% occupied with 20% of the people actually paying on time. That has significant impact on how you pay your vendors, assuming that the remaining percent actually pay you. Um, and if they don't pay you, then that's obviously a different story where you're going to have to do a lot of tenant turnover uh, because they're not paying and the seller has still has them on the rent roll to artificially inflate the rent roll, make it look better. They sneak that by you. But that's, that's not going to be stuck by you because you're going to look at the bank statements from the seller and when you receive them, you'll see the day that cash is deposited in the bank and you'll know if they're paying on time, if they're paying late, or if they're not paying at all. Number two, ask an insurance agent if any mandatory changes need to be made in order to continue coverage. You should get an insurance inspection prior to closing because there have been multiple times uh, with multiple investors that I've spoken to who have said that they closed on a property. Their inspectors said everything checked out fine, but the insurance company asked them to make improvements in order to maintain the insurance policy, and that can be a large chunk of change after the fact if you're not planning for it. So it's incredibly important to have an insurance contact um, you can speak to and have them look at the property as well whenever you're looking to purchase it during the due diligence stage and identify any things from electrical issues to washer dryer connections that maybe need to be updated to fire uh, extinguishers that aren't to code signage in the pool area if you have a pool, all sorts of things that your regular inspection team might not catch, but the insurance company will, and it's better to have them catch it whenever you can still negotiate concessions from the seller than after the fact whenever it's gonna you're going to have to pay out of pocket for the changes that are needed to be made. Number three, check police reports of the property prior to closing really important to know who you're renting to, who's already at the property, what type of behavior they have, and um, you know what the tenant profile consists of. If you've got some people who are being mischievous or if you've got some good Samaritans or any mixture of the above. Number four, just because you have money doesn't mean you have to spend it whenever you're raising money. What I mean by that is I've spoken to one investor in particular who had money in his bank account he was also raising money for his deal and he happened to come up short the exact amount that he had in his bank account so he put that money from his bank account into the deal well i think that's more than just a coincidence i think subconsciously he knew that he had that money that he could put into the deal and he stopped short of the finish line and by no means is this uh, trivializing his efforts because it was an incredible effort to make the deal happen and to raise all the money that he raised for his first deal. But he could have kept going further and he could have raised the remaining amount. And he's, he mentioned this to me whenever I was talking about his first deal. He said, you know what? Just because I had the money, I felt like I could stop at raising money and put in my money to cover the difference. So whenever you're raising money, pretend that you don't have any money. And if you don't have any money, then you don't have to go through the pretend exercise. Just know what reality is. And raise the money that you need to raise. And keep the money in your bank account that's yours. Um, and bring the value to the table of your experience and um, the team around you and their successful track record and the opportunity to investors that they wouldn't have anywhere else because of the unique business model that you're implementing with this property, the market conditions, the, um, the value add play, whatever it is, and you're going to be able to raise money without spending the money that you have in your bank account. Number five, reread every single contract twice for example the investor who mentioned this has a property management company who he has a contract with and he didn't see in the contract that the management company was actually getting late fees whenever residents were paying late so anytime a resident pays after the fifth the property management company is getting the late fee and not the investor. In my mind, that's like mind-boggling why that would be the case. Um, Because it gives no incentive for the management company to have a resident in there who's paying on time. And in fact, it benefits the property management company to have a resident in the property who's not paying on time because then the property management company makes more money. But the, the owner and, and the investor doesn't benefit because their bills are being paid late. Their mortgage payment is a stressful moment at the beginning of the month because they're having residents who are paying late and they're not getting any compensation for that. So you'll want to reread the, the contracts twice and make sure that everything has a mutually beneficial purpose So that you're both going in the same direction together. And that's it. Thank you so much for listening. This podcast is now one of the top investing podcasts in all of iTunes. And it's because of you. And I am so grateful and appreciative of that. If you'd like to um, help me out, I would um, love if you could write some sort of review in iTunes. That always helps out. And uh, we'll get into episode 51 tomorrow, and we've got an excellent best-ever guest for you. So get excited, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.